to uh, songs now, but I just feel uh, felt this week to do it a little bit differently. A lot of people away today, um, some because of conditions, other because of vacation and just the, uh, the flow of life. It's long weekend, and, uh, but, uh, you know, it sounds trite to say it, but God's here. God's here, and we're here, and that's a pretty good thing. That's a really important situation. Um, I, I didn't know uh, until about uh, four or five minutes ago why God wanted me to interrupt now, um, but it's to talk about worship in the form of how we do it with music. And um, I think there's something significant that we need to understand about worship music, and it it kind of comes out of a conversation I had with uh, you guys earlier this week, but also um, just the idea of music. And we like what we know, right? We like what we know. And I think God has a, wants to stretch us and take us into places that maybe we're not familiar with, songs we're not familiar with. And I was saying, well, what, you know, it's so much easier uh, when everyone knows the song, but there's this sense that it's what the song is saying. Um, I can guarantee you, I could put, if nobody knew who it was, uh, songs that we're all familiar with and like, this generation, this age group, and Elvis could be singing them. And everyone would have a wonderful time if they didn't know it was Elvis. And... uh, and why is that? And that's because it's hopefully what it's saying, what the song is saying. And it's just so important that as we go into worship, and I think God wants to minister today, wants to do some ministry. We have some people we need to pray for. Um, <clears throat> but as we go into it, to just understand that it's not about knowing the song, it's about what the song says and entering into that. I will say that there is a tremendous amount of work that goes into putting (laughs) those three songs together Um, and prayer and just going through many songs to find out which ones are the ones that God wants to use, not the ones I like. It's the ones that God wants to use. And isn't that kind of the whole thing? I mean, it's not what we want. It's what God wants. It's God wants to use you and me in ways that maybe we're not even familiar with. Um, And very often God will ask us to work in ways that maybe we're not comfortable with, to say things to people that maybe we don't feel strong and confident to say. We're uncomfortable. We don't want to go into that territory. We don't want to do that. This is all the stretching of God. We will never enter into the greater knowledge of God without allowing him to stretch us in those ways. Uh, Just being in what we like and in what makes us feel safe and what makes us feel comfortable that is not going to uh, increase us in our spirituality, and it's not going to increase the kingdom. 
We just have to really understand that God wants to pull us and push us into situations. Sometimes it's putting up with a situation, <laughs> putting up with a situation that is not the way we want it, is not the way we think it should be, but God is saying, no, I want to stretch you into putting up with that because it's part of learning what it is to have long-suffering, tolerance, and all those attributes of Christ. So the whole uncomfortableness, and there's a lot of people that leave churches, and I'm not saying that just today because there's a few people, or we, it's a holiday weekend, but I'm saying it because a lot of people will leave relationships and will leave churches and will leave all kinds of things, even Christians within churches who are in a group, and then all of a sudden they have something that they don't agree with or they don't like what that person said, and what do they do? They separate Now, you know that's not God. That just is not God. But it's calling us to be able to stretch ourselves and be in situations that maybe we're just not really comfortable with. We're just not really comfortable with it. But God wants us to be there. Some of us are living in situations that aren't comfortable with people that are not comfortable (laughs) in some ways. And... uh, You can't always choose your family and your relatives. But nonetheless, does God say just go leave it? No. So I guess what I'm getting at is God is just saying uh, to stretch this morning. And as we go into this worship set, I just want to, this scripture, so beautiful. Psalm 89, 15 to 17. It's not there, Liz, but happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. For they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. This is beautiful. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. And and of course, you know, if if we want to know the presence of God, he's saying here it requires us all day long to, you know, I don't don't expect us to be skipping down Spring Garden Road. I, I, I don't think that's what it's saying. But to walk in this remembrance, to walk in that knowledge of God through our day, and to remember uh, God through our day. They exalt in your righteousness. Basically, it's saying we are strong, we're happy, we're celebrating who you are and what you have done in our life. It pleases you, Lord, to make us strong. And that's what God wants to do today with you and I. He wants to make us stronger than when we walked in. And he's going to do it through a various and a sundry way. Uh, listening to some songs, allowing God to speak to us in those songs, uh, praying for people, listening, contributing, allowing God to speak through you. You might get a, an impression this morning. You might get a feeling. You might get a word. Who knows what it could be? But God wants to speak to us this morning. It doesn't matter. Jesus walked all the way around and up and down, and he ended up with one woman at a well. It was one person. God's very good at talking to one person. He has no problem with it at all. I guarantee you if there was only one person here this morning, I'd have to get used to that. That would take a little bit. But God's not concerned. He's concerned about those who actually want to hear and listen, and then hopefully that's who we are. So, Father, we just invite you into this service. We just invite you to teach us and to stretch us and to speak to us through these songs and to just, Father God, Come and be amongst us today, Holy Spirit. Jesus, come and be present in this place today. Change lives, change attitudes, change outcomes, change past situations. Father, you are miraculous and able and willing to do this. It is, Father God, your joy to make us strong today. So, Father, we receive that in Jesus' name. So, away we go, Liz. We can go into this.
Father, we just want to see you here this morning. 
We just lift you up as holy, Father God. We praise you and bless you and thank you, Lord. Holy, almighty God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So we've been given a few things. For those that are visiting this morning, you may wonder what the heck is going on. <laughs> uh, we believe in this church that God speaks through the body. We believe in what Corinthians, what Paul teaches the church in Corinth about the fact that we uh, are all vessels of the Holy Spirit and that God speaks through the body and speaks to us as we've been seeing. And that doesn't mean that I don't have a message, but it does, if I have a message, that doesn't disqualify your message at all. So God has this wonderful ability to put it all together, which is really beautiful. And what's he saying to us this morning? I have chosen you, and God has your name on his hand. And I've got to do this before I forget. Uh, Jerry, w during worship, I was looking at you. I got a picture and uh, it's a picture of a man harvesting. The wheat is ready, and he's harvesting. And the sense came to me that it is actually a time of harvest for you and, and, and forward, but somebody else is doing the harvesting. That what you have planted, somebody else is going to harvest, and it's happening right now. I had a real sense that it's happening right now. And it's going to continue happening. You may not even see it. It's as if uh, there's a hired hand who's bringing in the harvest that you planted. And I think God also wants to encourage you about that and let you know that though you may not see the harvesting, it's happening. It is happening. And there is these great swaths, like it wasn't like one at a time. It was these great swaths coming in from a large field. And I also feel to say that um, you've planted much more than you know. Uh, you would be amazed, and you will see it one day, but you will be amazed at how large a field you've planted. And sometimes you're walking, and you didn't even know it, and the seed is falling into the ground around you. Now, these are metaphors for the presence of God and the Spirit of God and the effect that God has through you as an individual in the world. And uh, I just really feel to encourage you that there's going to be much more harvest than you even thought. And maybe there were times where you were wondering about the harvest and wondering why you're not seeing with your eyes. Uh, but the Lord is saying this morning, don't you worry, one day you will see with your eyes the full harvest. <clears throat> so thank you, Lord, for what you're, how you speak to us and how you uh, fill in those blanks in our life uh, sometimes. So, and we heard Verna say something from the Old Testament talking, God was speaking to Israel. What you need to know about the Old Testament is that when God speaks to Israel, all Israel is, it's us, in the sense that God gives us in the Old Testament a wonderful picture of how he's going to deal with all believers. The way he deals with Israel gives us an understanding about how he feels about sin disobedience, and also about obedience. We see it all work through Israel. If you want to know what God feels about how we should walk in his knowledge and in his faith, just read the Old Testament and see what happens to Israel. And there is nothing, because it's the same God yesterday as today. And so when we see God uh, speaking blessing for Israel's obedience, he's speaking that to us. When he is chiding Israel for the way they are living and the way they constantly, over and over and over again, God would lift them up, put them in a, a safe place, and what would they do? They would start intermingling with the world. And that is, we, listen, if, if you're reading that and looking back and going, well, you know, that would never happen to me, or that would never happen to us, well, just look around, just look at the church. And as soon as we get the opportunity, we'll start trying to get closer to the world. 
because we don't want to be excluded. We don't want people hating us. We don't want people disliking us. So all of a sudden, you'll start, you'll start tempering what you say. You'll start tempering your uh, kind of insistence on what you know is true based on Scripture. And you'll start saying, gee, I've got to make this more palatable. I've got to make this so that they won't hate me. I've got to make this so that they won't be mad at me. No, you don't, because the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter. They're going to be mad at you anyway. Just go out there, like we said before, and tell somebody about how they should handle their sexuality. Oh, you'll find out real quick. Because what conservative Christianity speaks and what is being lived is something completely different. But God is saying that he has you written on his hand, and you're not some number. You're not a number. You're a person. Didn't say he wrote your number. You're a number to the government. You're a number to your, employ- to your employer a lot of the time. But to God, you are a name. And he's so serious about this name that when you and I get in front of him and we, blessed, get to that point, as Paul says that we have walked the good walk of faith and, and inherit the promise of salvation in Christ Jesus, when we've done that, what's God going to do? He's going to give us a new name. That only he and you will know. God wants intimacy with you and I. You're not just some, some random Joe, Matt, Bob. You are, you're going to be somebody that only he and you know that name. Isn't that beautiful? So regardless of what happens in your life, regardless of what you're going through, and um, you know, we keep on, I, sometimes I say to God, why are we always talking about this struggle, conflict, uh, hardship? Because you know what? Read the New Testament. It's all about that. You and I are walking in here every Sunday after living through a week of some of the most unprecedented pressure, propaganda, threats, worry, and all the rest of it that the world's ever seen. We're coming in here because we, <laughs> we need to come in here. And we need to know that even as crazy as all the things are out there, there is a God who's saying, don't worry about it. I got you marked on my hand. Don't worry about that. And he's saying, and don't conform to the world. Don't conform to the world. Everything is trying to get... There is a force. I mean, let's be honest. There's, there's two forces in the world. Actually, probably three. We have the the Spirit of Christ who works through his church to reach the world. And through your prayers, you are affecting the spiritual realm. Trust me. You are affecting the spiritual realm when you pray. Things change when you pray. And then there is the spirit of Antichrist, which is Antichrist. John, in his letter, said, There's actually many of them that have gone out into the world already. And then the scripture tells us there's false prophets. That's not just in the church. That's in the world. And you listen to some of the knowledgeable people telling us about how we should live our lives and what we should do with our sexuality and what we should do with marriage and what we should do with our money and what we should do with our time. And all of these are false prophets. Some of it is good. Some of it is intelligent. You know, some of it has sense, and I think you and I know that when we hear it. But for the most part, it is this pressure to conform to the world, to conform to what it says and what it is saying is true. And we will get smaller and smaller and smaller, that voice. But as I said to Bill this morning, as Gandhi said, a lone voice in the wilderness is still a voice. And Jesus, John the Baptist, was a lone voice in the wilderness. Pretty important one. And they cut his head off. So what we have to know is that, yeah, there might be some crushing of the flower. There might be some stuff that we might have to go through as we stand for Christ. Hey, it's easy to go and be friends with everybody and jump in the car and go and do whatever they want to do and, and just shut your mouth when things are being said that are wrong and not call things out for what they really are. Huh, anyone can do that. 
but it takes a Christian who has the spirit of Christ living in them to stand in the face of what might be rejection and just stand. Sometimes you just have to stand. You don't always have to give an answer for what you believe. You don't, I know the Bible says that we should be able to do that. You should be able to do that. Doesn't mean we always have to do that. Sometimes you just stand. Many times I just said, well, this is what I believe, and this is what Scripture says. And if you have a problem, you need to take it up with God. I don't know what to tell you. But so God is telling us this morning to stand and to be strong and to, you know, stand. It's so funny because that's what I would, the word I was getting downstairs is to stand. And the pastures of green, the pastures of green do not exist so much in the world that we're living in. The pastures of green are in here. It's in your prayer time. It's in that time that you're reading scripture and God opens it up. It's in those times where you're praying for people and you just really feel it. You just really feel that God's doing something. Those are the pastures of green. Those are looking at the fields that are going to be harvested. Like Jerry's fields are going to be harvested and are now being harvested. And so we need to be around that. Church is so important. Prayer is so important. Fellowship with each other is so important. So scripture, I want to read you. I, it's there, Liz. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. There's so much I could say about this, but the few things I will say is that this was a prophecy given to us on Christmas or on New Year's Eve of 2018 in this church. It was confirmed a year later through a prophecy from people in Southland who prayed over me and wrote it down. They didn't know. God is doing something new. And it, what's, it's saying, first of all, don't dwell in the past. Do you know what? There's some stuff you just got to leave. The devil will hound you with it. You will think that you are disqualified because of it. You will think it's a mistake that you cannot get over. You can think that well, all those negative things, but God is basically saying, don't dwell in that. It's one thing to remember it. It's another thing to dwell in it. And there's times you have to just say to your head, because we have the mind of Christ, doesn't mean everything we think is perfect. It just says we have the mind of Christ if we want it. If we want to go, I'm not thinking about that, and I'm not believing that, I am going, and if you at that point say, Holy Spirit, give me truth in this situation, give me what I should be thinking, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will give you either scripture, a thought, a picture, something. So God's saying, don't dwell in the past. Let go of it. We've all failed. We've all have reasons that we don't feel worthy for our faith and salvation that we've been given in Christ. Of course, we're not worthy, but Christ made us worthy. We're not what we should be. That's why Jesus came. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? This is talking about the idea of are we really uh, seeking God and recognizing what God is doing? Or are we just listening to the news about COVID? I am so done with COVID. I am just so done with those masks. I'll wear them because it, it is helping. But I'm just so done with the whole thing. But nonetheless, it is what we're in right now. And, but I want to not focus on COVID. I want to focus on Christ. I want to focus on what he is doing in COVID. Because he's doing something with it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And this is a promise. God didn't give this to us in 2018, so we could sit here and say that's for somebody else. Now, you guys have been around church long enough that you've heard every would-be prophet stand up and say, I am doing a new thing. And every time I've heard it, rarely was it ever actually from God. It's an easy one to say, and you just kind of go, oh, okay, whatever. But in this case, because it was confirmed... Both times said to us was from people not from this church, but yet said to this church. I take that as a confirmation. 
And if you know anything about this church in the last two years, we are kind of getting some streams going in a different direction. But I want to bring it personal to you. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I don't know what kind of wilderness you feel you're in and what kind of wasteland life may look like, but God is saying, really? Well, here's what I'm going to do with that. I am going to make a way in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place where you don't know where to go. You haven't been there before. You don't know what it is. It's harsh, it's difficult, and it's scary. And God is saying to you this morning, no matter what is coming, and this coincides with what is saying previously through the scripture, that God is going to make a way for us. Through what you don't understand, through what the world doesn't understand, through what doctors don't understand, through it all, God is going to make a way. I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday. I haven't seen him for a while. I knew him a long time ago in church. Uh, He's wandered away from an act of faith. He's not against faith, but he just, you know how it happens. You know how it happens. Ah, it gets inconvenient to go to church, and then the next thing you know, you're not going, and before you know it, you're doing other things on Sunday morning, and you know, and it just, it just, it can, it'll just mosey on away. It'll do it if we don't work at it. It'll happen to a marriage too. It'll just mosey on, and before you know it, you're not going home for supper anymore. Before you know it, you're not paying attention to the family as much as you did. You'd rather be at work, out with your buddies, whatever it is. But the fact is, I said to him, I was talking to him about COVID. And I said, and he's kind of confounded about it all. And I said, well, Ronnie, I got to tell you what happened to us in November. And you guys know what happened in November when God showed us the tree and the man hitting the tree and it's shaking. And what God said to us, this is the first of a series of global shakings that are coming on the earth. And he come, oh. And he knows me. He knows my history, and he knows that I'm not going to make something like that up. And I said, Ronnie, you got to get a hold of God. If God to you is sitting at, a, because he likes the outdoors, if God to you is sitting at a, by a tree and just admiring nature and loving God in it and knowing, I said, you got to know who Jesus is. But if that's the way you commune with God, then you better start doing it again. Because stuff is coming That is going to look like a wilderness. And we need to know that God is going to make a way for you and I through it. He promises he's going to do that. Streams in the wasteland. What looked like mistakes. What looked like stuff that could never be turned into something good. Relationships that you have that are broken. Relationships that you think can never be fixed. God's speaking to someone this morning. He's saying, I'm going to bring streams into that wasteland. And what the streams do, they bring it back to life. They bring life where there wasn't life before. So, so God is going to do that. And he, he's really speaking to us about it this morning. And then in Hosea, there's about nine different ways you can say this person's name. Hosea. But anyway, Hosea ten twelve. I said... Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts for now is the time to seek the Lord. That he may come and shower righteousness upon you. This is God's desire. God doesn't want you to do spiritual disciplines and that's what it's talking about. Doing your spiritual disciplines. Praying. Repenting. Confessing, praising, worshiping, speaking, serving, all those things. That's basically what that's saying. Get your spiritual disciplines in order. And then what is he going to do? He's going to shower righteousness upon you. Everything God is asking you to do, whether it's to put $5 in the plate or to go speak to your neighbor or to give up something or to start doing something or to, like we're talking about stretching you, he's doing that because he wants to bless your life. God does not need your money. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't. He owns it all anyway. So why does he have us tithe? Because it is showing, it is showing a discipline. It is a spiritual sacrament. It is a spiritual discipline. He knows what pinches. Okay, 
Do a little bit of that. Why? Because it creates a space for me in your life, and I want to bless you financially and otherwise. So there's all these things God is doing so that he can bring righteousness into our lives. And he will do it. The righteousness of God, that's all the blessings of God. If anything we need right now, it's peace. I don't know about you, but all it takes is one newscast. I don't know how many times I've had to turn the news off. Three stories in, and I'm just going, this is miserable. They're searching the planet for the worst possible things they can tell you. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because, and we said it before, the devil has this thing called the media. He has the news media. Who is the prince of the power of the air? What goes through the air? News, signals, radio, TV. goes through the air. Where's your phone? There's another one. What? If I see one more person talking to someone while they're looking at a phone, I'm just going to blow a valve. But So the prince of the power of the air of this world... Jesus said that that's his. He said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hold over me. And he has no hold over you unless we give it to him. And one of the ways we give it to him is sitting our face in front of a TV or a radio or a phone and listening to his propaganda. If you don't do this, if you don't do this, if you're not like this, if you're not like this, I'm telling you, to be a just, I'm just saying, a casual, semi-normal, strong Christian, you are going to have to do things that to the people around you will look like you're crazy. And you start, okay, turn off the TV. Get rid of the TV. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying in some cases people might have to do that. Or stop listening to the news. Stop listening to these ridiculous conspiracy theories that are going on. I was with a pastor whose wife sent me this crazy thing, some voodoo doctor from the middle of Brazil somewhere saying, and of course they always start with what the government doesn't want you to know about COVID, right? And there's about 19,000 people out there that apparently have their own version of what the government doesn't want you to know about COVID. And I said to him, I said, listen, if God took, and this is for us today, if God took you and I, and opened our eyes to see the evil, the devious evil that is in all politicians, that is in all the economic systems, in the political systems, in the educational systems. If, we, if God would open our eyes and we'd see it, we'd give up those. Listen, we wouldn't need conspiracy theories. The Bible and the book of Revelation and and prophecy tells us very clearly, and and we read the book of Revelation, and we can't imagine it because what it's showing us is what's going on in the spiritual realm. We would be just absolutely mesmerized. And you know what we'd do? We'd start praying. That's what we would do. But remember also when God shows that kind of stuff, more are they that are with us than they that are against us, from the Old Testament, right? So this is what we need to remember when we see all of this happening and, and, and think of all this stuff happening. But we have to, at some point, shut off the devil's voice into our life. And finally, the piece of scripture, John fifteen seven. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. That is not... That's not drama. That's truth. That is truth. But it's predicated on the fact that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is not an easy thing to do. That is called discipling. That is discipline. Coming to church on Sunday once is not it. It's not bad. It's a great start. But it is not what that is talking about. And he's saying... That if we abide with Christ, that is dig in. Dig in. Reach Bible every day. Pray every day, even if it's on the bus or just walking or whatever it is. 
Pray every day. Think of God every day. Join with other Christians. Take time and and join up with other Christians. Talk about scripture. Talk about God. Sing songs. I guarantee you, this week you're going to be singing in the hills and valleys. I'm the God of the hills. I know you're going to be singing that one through this week. It's a good reminder. And God is saying, if you do that, if you do that, I will give you anything you ask for. So instantly when we hear that, we think, uh, a lot of people will think cars, jobs, prosperity, money, all those things, right? It's just human nature. Don't get all freaked out about it. It's just human nature. When you go in a candy store, what do you want? You want candy, right? Uh, So, you know, that's okay. Just don't be led by that. Don't be controlled by that. Understand that what God is going to ask you to ask for, he will give you the desires of your heart, which means he will give you what it is your heart should be desiring. But you'll never know that until you abide with him and go deep with him. Because what will happen if you don't do that, what your heart will desire will be the cars and the prosperity and all that stuff because that's just the way we are. And it doesn't mean that God's not going to give us that. It just can't be the lead. It can't be the reason. Sometimes he gives us mountains and sometimes he gives us valleys. And we have to understand him in all of that. And you are no less connected to God in a time of need and a time of Uh, physical uh, unwellness or financial unwellness. You are no less his son and daughter. You're, like Verna said, you're written on his hand. You can't take it off. It's there. He knew you before he even created the world. Before he created all the wonderful things that the world is, he created you and I because that was the thing that was most important to him. He could have created a thousand million planets but he can only create one of you. So God is truly wanting, and I'm telling you, God wants to answer your prayers. It's not like he doesn't want to answer your prayers. We say we're waiting on the Lord. That's so hilarious. No, I think God's waiting on us. I think that's who's doing the waiting. I think God's doing the waiting. For us to get serious about abiding with him, And having his word in us. And his word is his culture, his personality, his character, his desires, the way he looks at things. And when we get that in us, you will start asking for things and you will start getting them. Healings, deliverances, changed family relationships. Really, in the end, I do funerals all the time, you know that. They ask me to come, and whenever anyone doesn't want a religious funeral, they call me. It's kind of funny. And I end up talking about God in the funeral. But um, and none of, no one has ever come up to me and had a complaint. No one. And I get pretty, pretty direct. But what I find in those funerals is that whether that person had a car, whether they had a nice house, whether that is not what people get up crying about when they remember their lost loved one. It is the beautiful, wonderful things they have done. The wonderful person. And this woman who just died, she was 82. She died from COVID. She was in Northwood. And, um, you know, her family were there. And, you know, got up and said such beautiful things about her. The music they wanted was Engelbert Humperdinck. And, uh, and Tom Jones, it's not unusual. To, and I'm sitting there going, what am I, what's going on here? But, but as the, the daughters got up and spoke, and I'm sitting there saying, God, what do I say? What do I say? And I said, isn't it beautiful to be missed? I said, you are coming up here crying over the wonderful, beautiful mother that you had. And I said to them, I said, if you, you will get no closer to God than when a good mother loves like a mother. 
you will find no better example of Jesus Christ. The mother who's in the prison with her son who just, you know, did whatever and everyone else has abandoned him, and there's the mother. Yeah, I know what you are, but here's your underwear and here's your clean shirt, right? They love anyway. I know what you did. Get over here. And woe betide if somebody else says something to them. Oh, boy. And then, you, and then the mother takes the kid inside and just whacks him. But outside, when somebody else was saying something to him, Mama Bear comes. That's God. That's God. He'll protect you. But he might have to take you in and say, now let's talk. But the, the thing is, as we abide with him, as we go deep with him, you are going to start seeing answers to prayers. And this is what I want to end on. We're already seeing some answers to prayer in this church. Around the medical situation, we're seeing job changes happen. We're seeing all kinds of things happen. We're seeing a financial miracle in this church. And that is just the beginning. That's just the beginning. And as we abide and seek and strive and go into God, we are going to start seeing that which that wilderness and that wasteland, we're going to see it turned around. This isn't just hot, like happy talk by a pastor hoping that it will keep them for another week. This is the word of God, and it's a promise to us this morning. So, Father, we thank you for what you're saying to us. We thank you that you are going to do what you are going to do, and you want to do more than you're doing right now. Father, help us to know how to get into that vine. Help us to know how to go in that new path. Help us to see that new thing you're doing. Help us to hear your voice over the rumble and the roar of the world that's out there right now. Let us hear your still, small voice. Father, I praise you and bless you for what you're doing in us today, that we are marked on your hand and you are with us. And we believe it today, Father God. And we stand in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Who needs prayer this morning? Could be for a health thing. It could be for a monetary. Just want to stand. Yeah, <laughs> really, in some ways, I, go, I suppose that's true. But as you're standing, understand what you're doing. Angels are watching you. It's said in Corinthians that women who wore a covering on their head, and we're not going to get into that whole thing, but Paul said about that, he said it's important because angels are watching. Angels are watching what you do. There are angels attributed to you as an individual. Daniel showed us that. So that's not Disneyland, it's reality. I've seen angels twice in my life. They do exist. So, as you stand, you're making a spiritual statement that angels are going, oh, my child just stood up, got to go. <laughs> That's what's happening. As soon as you make a confession of faith, an angel goes, oh, I'm being called here. That's what's happening when you pray. Same thing. Angels go, okay, get out the notepad. Here we go. We're getting our orders. Because for some strange reason, God has held his hand to you that you can actually release God's hand or hold God's hand back. And you say, well, that's crazy. No, it isn't. Because Jesus said to the disciples, whoever you forgive will be forgiven. Whoever you do not forgive will not be forgiven. There's a whole theology in that one. But what it does say is the church has been given tremendous power. And when you stand today, you are saying, I agree that I have power in Christ Jesus. So, Father, as we stand here today, we believe that things are changing right now. That angels are being dispatched, Father God. Situations are being changed. People are being released. Truth is being given where there was lies. Light is coming where there was darkness. And, Father, I pray for a supernatural strength. Father God, in some situations, I don't pray that the illness or physical situation be taken away, but that your strength in us, in it, is greater than that which the disease or the illness or the physical thing would come against us. That you are going to give us a supernatural power 
in our weakness. Father, I pray for healing right now this morning, for physical healing, uh, especially mental health. We prayed this before, but Father, I can't, it keeps coming, so we're going to keep praying because I believe a stronghold needs to be broken. And Father, we speak in the authority of Jesus Christ that has been given to us through the covenant of Christ that he said was written in his blood. Father, we stand in the authority of the church and we command that issue of mental health, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, bipolar, disassociations, all of it, Father God. I pray for it to be broken in the name of Jesus Christ and released upon your people, Father God. That, Father, you would just release minds and release bodies from this oppression, Father God. And I pray you bring in the truth as they look at their life, that they would see your truth and not what the disease is saying, not what the condition is saying. Give us your truth today, Father. And, Lord, we will walk in the power of that truth because it is the truth that sets us free. So, Father, we thank you. We pray for Gertrude this morning, Father, who has got a severe situation. Lord, you healed her cancer, and now she's having a ramification from the healing. And, Father, her arm is all swollen up. We just, in the name of Christ, speak healing over that arm. And we, Father, command that fluid to be released, the pain to subside, and normal to come to that arm, Father God. In Jesus' name, we pray it this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 God's good, eh? Let's, uh, let's take up an offering. Uh, we have the interact at the back. You guys know how it works. Way we go, Liz. Thank